Welcome to Equestrian Movement's First Do No Harm podcast. I'm your host, Katie Boniface, co-founder of Equestrian Movement with Sarah Gallagher. We work with horse riders who want to build a stronger bond and a deeper connection with their horses. In our First Do No Harm podcast, we discuss with other industry professionals how to work with horses to firstly do no harm and secondly support their mental, emotional and physical well-being throughout the training process so that we have horses that enjoy learning and ask to be ridden. Each episode, we discuss the different influences our training can have and how we can improve our horses' overall athleticism, soundness of mind and body, and emotional fortitude, while strengthening and deepening our relationship with our horses. Each week, I will endeavor to bring to you a new episode on horse riding, training, handling and husbandry for an interview with other industry professionals to help you address where and why you might get stuck in creating the beautiful union of dancing souls that is the equestrian sport. Are you ready to kick off today's show? Let's get started. Hey team, Katie here from Equestrian Movement and today we're going to do our year in review. Sarah is here. Hey guys, how are you? And we're going to be chatting with Sarah about how her 2022 went with her horse training. So to start off with, um, let's start with our favorite. What were your wins? (laughs) I think, well, I think one of the wins um, that I've had is definitely uh, seeing how close Gunnar and I can actually work together and trust in each other. Like that's a big win. Um, It's, it's really, I guess, uh, it's been, I guess, tricky over the years because Gunnar has been in the school and and um, been very, you can see that he's very um, comfortable with you as a leader and, and he relies on you a lot when we're in those lessons. Um, so to be able to sort of take that step back and step away and, and build that trust in each other so that he's starting to trust me, but at the same time I'm starting to trust him a little bit more, um, was really those big wins and where we're having some really good conversations now in some of the smaller rides that we've been doing lately. So I think that in itself is a, a massive win, um, just being able to develop that deeper level of trust in each other uh, while we're navigating some pretty complex new <laughs> exercises as well. Um, so, yeah, that, that would probably be my biggest win. My second Biggest win. Mm-hmm. Um, I can officially mount us, <laughs> mount him without assistance. <laughs> so, so for reference point, uh, this year has been Sarah's uh, year of solo independence. independence. <laughs> no hand holding from me. Yeah, not even a not even a Katie in the background, kind of <laughs> looking over the shoulder, just double checking that everything's okay, or or being there if I call out. So. It's been a it's been a huge, huge learning curve and a huge um, I guess it, just working through the emotions of taking that big steps of independence. It's kind of been a little bit of a graduation <laughs> <laughs> in 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 the fact that you know you're able to um, I guess you know these skills you've had them in practice and you've been doing them and in reality you know that you've got the skills but you've always had somebody to have you back in case something goes wrong and and to develop. Uh, I guess to start working on that process where, um, you know, I can start working independently um, without you even present, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, particularly under saddle, which is um, a lot scarier than the groundwork. And um, 
I guess, you know, start to apply those skills that I've known, start to develop more and more trust in the skills that I know that I have and I've been using for years, but, you know, I guess um, have never really fully trusted because I've always had you to have my back and, and answer the questions that I have. So I've been able to, you know, I guess troubleshoot and, and do those. And that's, I think, where the, that level of trust comes through. Um, and, of course, the figuring out how to, how to mount a 17.2 950-kilo draft horse <laughs> um, solo with, you know, my own complications of, you know, lack of flexibility like, <laughs> um, and uh, lack of high enough ladders to climb. Um, you know, that was, <laughs> that was a big cheering. <laughs> yeah. Know, when I did it last weekend, I was like, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it is, I think, really – one of the biggest challenges of, you know, moving out of the school environment into your first horse or, you know, even if you're moving off of a barn environment to bringing your horses home for the first time is you don't have somebody to kind of like just bounce ideas off of when things aren't going right for you. And it's the the self-coaching, right, is like, you know, it's so easy to kind of come across an obstacle and say, oh, I don't know. It's like, yeah, you don't know right now what the best one right true path forward is. And so you have to get like super comfortable in that experimental process mm. and super comfortable with things not going the way oh, you would plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or even even just um, you know, making some of those assessments like, you know, is is the head tossing that Gunner's doing an objection to my contact or an objection to um you know, objection to the ride or is he doing it to actually just help loosen his back and you know, is he going to settle into it and you know having the confidence to keep kind of testing that and you know going okay so if I go on loose rein is this nope he's still doing the head tossing if we um give him a moment to think yep no we go ahead he's still doing a bit of the head tossing we keep keep working on a few different things and you start to see it relax and the back warm up and and go okay yeah well that head tossing in this particular incident was a combination of flies and and back warming up um, so, you know, that was, um, yeah, it's, you know, I guess before I would have seriously sat down and gone, oh my God, Katie, what, what's going on? And, and relied on your opinion for that rather than going, right, well, what's, what, it, what's actually going on in, and testing it myself to figure out what he's, um, trying to say or do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Which is why it's so important to start with the connection, right? Is that like when we start seeing behaviors that concern us, it's easy to start getting fearful because we don't know where it's going to escalate to. But typically, you know, it's not going to escalate unless it's like a pain-related issue or we're putting a lot of pressure on them and trying to push them through it. And, you know, that's where things get really tricky is we find a behavior that we don't like or we're unsure of or we want to support them to not have that need that behavior anymore and then you know the common tool that we get is like apply more pressure and push (laughs) them through it if you don't make them do it they are the boss and they have won and you have failed and now you have a dangerous horse that's going to try and kill you and so it like gets you into a fear cycle of you have to push them through it you have to pressure them into doing it but pressuring them into doing it escalates the behavior and you don't have the skills to deal with the escalated behavior which creates more fear whereas if we start with connection first and we understand our horse like we know that he's a bolshy, pushy, big horse, knows his size, confident in his size, confident to use his side, 
decides to, um, you know, communicate his opinions <laughs> and that if we just pressure that, it is going to escalate behaviours. So we want to know, like, what is he trying to communicate if he's displaying behaviours we don't like? How are we going to support that? How can we give him and ourselves the tools to navigate it? So it's not like we're not working the problem. Like, you know, the idea of push them through it is just like increased pressure. They end up over threshold and then you end up dealing with escalated behaviors that you have to de-escalate and then you're getting into submission-based training and then your horse is just doing it for fear of retribution. Whereas we're still working the problem we're just figuring out how to work the problem in the best interest for the horse. We're making sure that they feel heard. So, you know, <clears throat> whatever you were doing that was, uh, like, coming up with head tossing, I'm sure you didn't just, like, ignore him, smack him with the whip, and drive him into your hands. <laughs> <laughs> for one, that would never, ever work because I think I would end up on the ground. Um, but two, yeah, no, it, it definitely wasn't that. And, it, um, it, you know, you, I could even tell by the way he was moving that it, there wasn't actually an aggression or a avoidance in that, which is why when I was like, is it is it the contact? And then I've kind of loosened that um, contact and he's still been stretching through it. I'm like, right, okay, well, tick, that's not the the problem um it's definitely not that problem we've ruled out an easy one here's the next one is it um you know does he need is he getting a bit frustrated at what we've been doing because i've been working him in circles and there's some activity happening outside nope he's not he's um you know he's still stretching down and then pulling up and and all the rest when we've changed the the pattern or changed the environment or even um paused and um you know and then so to just go through that um troubleshooting and then know i guess some of those exercises that um you know, we've been putting together towards um, in the holistic horse riding and how to sort of um, you know, rocking in and moving around just to help loosen that back up through that warm up. Um, you could see the the difference as he started to warm up and relax into it a bit more, and then um, realize that um, some of that head tossing was really just stretching into, I guess, or or um, you know, uh, preparing his body for the activity that he's going to be doing. Mm. And the rest of it was associated to the flies. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Flies have been a nuisance. Flies have been painful. <laughs> yeah. But so if we talk about Gunnar, you know, he confirmationally is very drafty. His shoulders are shoulders like are double the size very... of his butt. <laughs> he does not like weight bearing through his hindquarters. No. He is a puller. And so one of the biggest challenges we have been having with him is just getting him to shift balance so that he can free up and unpin his shoulders so that we can get throughness. Yeah. And um, there's a, some strength required there. There's some conditioning that's required for him to be able to do it. It's like they have to resist our the application of our body to their back, the gravitational pull of our body to their back as they lift up and extend through the shoulder. But then there's also um, one of our favorite learnings from this year is that if the underneck is engaged, it's nearly impossible for them to free up and move their shoulders. So it's something that like uh, we are taught as dressage riders is to like have the underneck, um, you know, soft and loose so that you're building the top line. However, I just have adored Celeste's work with regard to um, it's such a viable and visual metric for us to say 
yes, this is like, yes, what's happening is, um, you know, functional movement or no, what's happening is not functional movement. And then like, is the neck engaged because they're scared? Is the neck engaged because, so are they feeling safe within their environment? Are they feeling safe within their relationship to you that you're going to protect them so that they can let go of control and be vulnerable around us? Is the brace coming from our hands or is the brace coming from them trying to balance us and their lack of balance and conditioning? And it's just such a viable metric to so much more easily troubleshoot why there is a lack of freedom of movement through the shoulders. And there's just, there is so many factors there that's going to impact whether they can unpin and move freely through their shoulders or um, whether they're going to keep the shoulders trapped and be pulling from it. And it is such a challenging part of riding to navigate both as the rider but also as the horse is that they're not confirmationally designed to carry us to engage to push up through their back and hold us to um you know soften and you know air quotes round their neck to loosen up their shoulders and move freely through their shoulders they're not designed to do that so we have to completely reshape their posture and then recondition them from that posture to be able to hold us uh and so it is where we most commonly see behavioral issues like bucking and rearing and bolting is that they're still pulling with their chest and their shoulders and they've got, um, you know, the rotation of the pelvis where they've either, um, you know, tipped it too far under but they're not actually shifting weight into it or they drop the pelvis, so now we have a crooked pelvis, and so they're bucking to release the tension through their lower back. And this was a little bit of the problems that we were having with Gunnar. Yeah, at the end of last year, yeah. Is that we were at that stage where we couldn't get the shoulders to unpin, being a draft horse confirmationally, he was really struggling with it. And then um, added to that, we realized how jealous he was (laughs) working in a group lesson. And then since then, he's also been integrated into the herd. So there's um, multiple... Layers of what we've been working on this year... Um, that haven't necessarily even looked like work, but are, are, are working towards making him much, I get like a, a much rounded pony that um, is developing some confidence. And I think that's the big thing we always have to think about is that despite the fact that Gunnar, you know, is very confident in using his body, for example, um, you know, it has no problem with pushing people around, that kind of thing. Um, in himself, he's still very uncomfortable. That's not the right word. Insecure. Yeah. <laughs> Unconfident. Um, so, so, you know, that um, pushiness and those um, higher quick reactivities and that jealousy is is that level of insecurity. Um, and I do believe, you know, like, um, you know, having that win of him trusting me and me trusting more in him and, and trusting in us as a, a partnership and a team as we're working together um, has been a, a, a I guess a little bit of a goal because you know part of that's driven by trying to reduce that level of reactivity and jealousy if he's in that group situation or having to share his favorite people around (laughs) and um, you know I guess 
being at the school, there's a chance that Katie's always going to be patting another pony. (laughs) And I would rather that um, if I'm working with Gunnar, you know, I would rather that he um, places that trust and confidence in me um, enough that he doesn't feel that level of jealousy or intense need to come in and, and push his way in to get the attention, you know, accept the attention, but not necessarily have to push his way through it. Yeah. Emotional agility work never looks like real work. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it always looks like we're just faffing around, <laughs> playing with the ponies, not doing anything constructive. Oh, and it's such, it's the hardest, I think it's probably the hardest part of, of horse, um, like uh, horsemanship and particularly holistic horse handling, um, you know, is getting that, um, that emotional agility, you know, it's something you're always going back to and back and forward and back and mm-hmm. forward and back and forward. And, you know, if we think back, um, we, when we were doing the, um, Halloween edition of confident, uh, curiosity through confidence and, and unfortunately I missed a couple of cues and, and Gunnar just, you know, we, we just ended up over facing him a little bit and that, you know, this, this happens. We, you know, we make mistakes sometimes we're only human and, um, you know, but I did see that, that change in that trust in me very quickly uh and it translated very quickly into the saddle like you know it was there it was present on the ground and if you tried to do it in the saddle well he was really not confident at all um with me being there and nobody else around so you know i I did spend a lot of time um just going down to the paddock and doing in-hand adventures and and you know reminding him of you know little leadership cues and you feel safe and you get relaxed and okay we'll go on an adventure and we'll we'll expand your record we'll expand your challenge and okay this is an area that you don't feel confident uh, confident in and um you know it was quite interesting to see that there were very like even in i guess the you know an area he's lived in like you know the school that he's lived in for such a long time there were still sticky spots where he Mm -hmm. lost a lot of confidence Mm because he's like oh no this this looks a bit too strange and a bit too weird and yeah and um you know so to to face off against that together was um you know doesn't look like i did anything except for walking around on a (laughs) on a halter and let him let him graze um but you know the reality was it was um you know walk relax graze trust work with me follow me relax graze trust work with me follow me yeah. okay <laughs> okay this is as far as we need to go today this is great work off we go back yeah and it, it's such a valuable tool that is so underrated like if we talk about um you know where I was at with backing Sully is I could feel that we just weren't together like mm. she is very quick to give me her opinions she's very quick to say she doesn't want to work she's very yeah. quick to go into flight mode being an Arab and so it's about like creating an, an achievable challenge where you feel confident that you can navigate about this the horses like slightly less confident because we want them to take the lead from us and then we overcome it with immense sense of satisfaction and achievement because hey yeah we both did it it was awesome look at how we overcame that together and that's what really forges the relationship and the bond whereas if we come into it um you know uh goal orientated where we have a goal that we're trying to achieve and we don't pick up the horse's cues or we do pick them up, but we're like really bent on, we have to make this happen, then, you know, that's where we're going to see that friction in relationship. And even if you do manage to get to the other side and it's a positive experience, 
you still have created a wiring, like a neurological process. Um, you've created an environmental stress that has wired them to not do it with relaxation. And so with Sally, like one of the things that we have been working on because she's going to be looking after her rider who is not um, particularly experienced, I want her when she's scared to choose relaxation. And so it's been so amazing to watch her where we've been, um, you know, <laughs> on repeat, basically, like whenever she's scared, choose relaxation. Whenever you're scared, choose relaxation. Whenever you're scared, choose relaxation. Now that I'm in the saddle, it's so fun to see like her starting to pick herself up and get anxious. And she's like, oh, wait, no, I'm scared. That means I should choose relaxation. And it's just, it's so cool to see, you know, you hear it all the time, what, what you wire together, fires together, um, you know, do the wiring process process first and then you don't have to try and manipulate the behaviors and so uh, just putting her in that experience of going out into a tr like an in-hand trail first where she had to take direction from me she felt vulnerable she didn't feel confident in that experience she didn't feel like she had the skills to overcome it by herself so she had to start seeking direction from me seeking the cues from me what do I do in this situation? I don't feel safe. And it like was positive experience and we come home and she processes and we do it again and it's positive and she comes home and she processes and we do it again and it was positive and she comes home and she processes. Then when it comes time to do something that she's not necessarily stoked about, like no horse is particularly stoked about getting saddle on for the first time and then somebody sitting on their back for the first time, it's like, yeah, okay, this is just what we're doing today. And then we don't have to go through the process of bucking them out and, um, you know, getting them into submission and creating fear-based um, tools to submit her to the process. You know, we've just created an environment where she seeks me for leadership and what I'm asking her to do today is just stand still. I'm going to sit on your back. Okay, awesome. You did amazing. Here, have some treats. Well done. Yep. Congratulations. Go Big back out to the bump. <laughs> Off you go. <laughs> and so we're creating these, like, positive experiences on positive experiences it's, you know, I can say that it's a little bit easier for me because I've seen the process so many times, mm. but it's, it's still hard. You know, there, there's still days where, where I'm like, oh, I don't know why that happened. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing I think, you know, we, we're dealing with, um, you know, we're dealing with, well, one, you're dealing with multiple different animals with different levels of reactivities, responsibilities, and, and not every single time are you um, consistently working with some of these, you're still learning who they are um, and what their personality is. But at the same time, we have to remember that, you know, I, I could I could literally, you know, go down there one day and, and Gunnar's had a rough day because he's been, um, you know, acting like a spaz, jumped over a log, chasing ponies, uh, had a fall, um, he's feeling a bit sore, he's a bit cranky because, you know, he got wailed on. did the other day. <laughs> I definitely saw all of that happen the other day. <laughs> When it was wet. <laughs> and, and that's going to be a different type of gunner to work with than the gunner who's, you know, um, you know, excited because it's school day and, you know, I'm coming up to, I'm going to get some food, I'm going to get some grooms, I'm going to get some treats, and I'm going to get some play and I'm going to play, kick the ball and, and, you know, you know, the different um, animals and, you know, and just, and just like that, um, you know, I'm coming with my own different things as, you know, what's happened today and all the rest. And we've just got to make sure that every time we're working is that we're communicating in a language that, I guess we both understand and, you know, I myself recognise where we both sit at that particular time to make decisions as to where, how we're going to work. And, you know, sometimes, you know, it's okay to make some of those mistakes. Just go back and go, right, well, 
that didn't quite work. Um, what did I miss? What do I need to figure out? Maybe we just need to um, work on this just a little bit further. It is safe to make mistakes. Yes. <laughs> Making mistakes is part of learning. <laughs> yes. Um, it's just nicer to do them when you're in that foundation stage where yes. you're probably not um, doing something intensely um, high level. <laughs> <laughs> A mistake that's going to result in yeah. getting crushed by the pony or something annoying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, that's the, yeah, I think that's, um, a real big challenge, the emotional agility, but, um, uh, recognizing the understanding the communications because all these animals communicate to us in different ways, depending on, on how they've taught and, um, how much they know us and how much, um, you know, confidence, trust and, and faith they have developed in us over the, that period of time as well. Yeah, for sure. One of my favorite things I think that really hit home probably our last day, we're like end of the year, last day of camp, and all the horses still super excitedly came up to the gate to come up to the barn. <laughs> like two years of holistic horse handling, implementation, like camp is hard for them. Mm. And I ask a lot of them during the school year, like we know how hard it is for them to start a beginner how taxing it can be on their body and, um, you know, just even taxing on their emotional state to, like, have to take direction from somebody that doesn't know what they're doing and isn't necessarily refined in the application of bit pressure to their mouth. So it was so nice that I could go down to the paddock and just call them and they came, <laughs> they're around behind them and they came cantering up and I opened the gate and they went out and put themselves in their stables. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> that's so nice. Like they still want to yeah. come in and play with the people even though, you yeah. know, it, the work that they do is hard. It's probably the hardest, some of the hardest work that horses have to do is the school yeah. horse work. And it's very easy for them to go sour on it because there's there's not a lot of reward. Like if we're mm. trying to structure reward into training, we're looking for their dopamine hits. But when they're babysitting riders, yeah. like... Yeah. Beginners, children, <clears throat> the whole kit and caboodle, and different people or over and over and over again. Mm. It's hard to... Like there is a structure of dopamine hits into it, I I make sure that they're not um, doing more than two beginners a day mm. and, um, you know, what they are doing with the beginners is t only 10 to 15 minutes of trot and the rest is steering and that kind of thing and we do all the connection work with them and whatnot. But, you know, the dopamine hits are more for the riders when you're a beginner. And I think that's also, as a rider, one of the biggest challenges um, to actually sticking at riding itself is that, you know, people kind of get into horse riding with the idea of, like, cantering through the fields without a bridle on, living their best life, like, uh, the, the wind blowing through their hair, and then you realise, like, just how much work goes into <laughs> being at that point of riding for that to actually happen and you not to face plant the ground. And then even if you are, like, a competent rider, you can still be like, you know, I don't actually want to ride through the fields anymore because I know how many holes are in the ground and I don't want a horse with a broken leg. Yeah. <laughs> you don't really think about all of these reasons. And so when you first start out as a beginner, it's like you have all of these achievements that you get, like, 
you know, that first rising trot moment, that first, um, you know, trot off the lunge moment. There's so many firsts in that first one to two years. And then everything kind of like slows down. And that's when the frustration starts to build as a rider is that you're not getting these like task achievements personally of like these big wins that you want personally Mm. and we have to shift perspective of like why are we actually doing this like we're doing it because of the idea that we had of that bond and connection that we would have with the horse to be cantering through the fields you don't have to be cantering through the fields for that to happen so then you just like need to reframe what that looks like on the ground, what that looks like in the walk, what that looks like, like just slow it all down and reframe what does that bond and connection look like in what is achievable to you and then it's the time span that develops the skills that allows you to get to that point. But it doesn't mean, you know, like you could get to that point and it doesn't mean that the carrying through the fields is successful either. Like there's been so many times, there's like a time... um, where I was carrying around the back paddock and I didn't realise that lad was ticklish on his belly and the grass <laughs> was, like, perfectly <laughs> at belly height. <laughs> so we were, like, carrying around the back paddock and it was, like, tickling so along. <laughs> and he was fucking, I was like, what, what is going on? Like, trying to pull his head up, come back to the walk, go again. Like, come on, like, let's go for a canner. And then he's, like, getting into the canner and then he's that fucking, like, what is going on? And luckily I did have someone there and I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure the grass tickling his belly is making him ticklish and uncomfortable and that's why he's fucking I was like okay fair <laughs> so we just put ourselves in a different place for a can and it was fine and it's just like those little things are just you know what is gonna happen when you're working with an animal they don't have a voice to communicate to you what why they're doing what they're doing and sometimes they're just doing it because they're having fun yeah <laughs> Oh boy, I do think. Um, I think another uh, like to to go on a side tangent to that. It's another uh, challenge with the emotional um, agility is um, also not just developing that in your horse, but developing that in yourself. Mm. There's a real aspect, particularly when you start um, becoming more independent and you start having to trust in your own skills um, and evaluate situations and and all of those types of things where you do tend to be a little bit more heavily focused on the, did I do this right? Did I not do this right? Mm. Um, sometimes you might be seeing what other people are doing and wondering why you're not achieving those types of things yeah. that other people are easily achieving. And then you have to re- go back and remember that you're at a different level. You're at a different, you're with a different horse, you're with a different s- skill set, and you've got different goals yeah. um, in there and, and to look at those as well. Um, but the, I think the far like the the first and foremost thing that I keep having to remind myself is that I want to keep coming here um, because I want to have fun. Mm-hmm. Like, and fun doesn't necessarily mean cantering through the gal- uh, um, the you know paddocks. Um, fun there are uh, and all those dopamine hits that you're talking about with those those achievements. Fun is um, having a level of connection and just being able to be goofy together. And, yeah, and that's certainly something that Gunnar and I <laughs> definitely do together. <laughs> um, you know, uh, creating something um, different that 
you know, maybe okay, yes, we will do a 20-minute ride and it'll be focused on warming up and then lifting and lifting and sh- moving your shoulders. But you know what? We're, we're going to do first of all is we're going to kick the ball around mm. and we're going to play a little game of soccer or we're going to um, go on a bit of an adventure and, and graze and, and um, you take the lead, I take the lead, you take the lead, I take the lead, you take the lead, I take the lead and have a little bit of fun um, uh, differentiating the working process. So it's been, yeah been a bit of a learning curve to remind myself that I'm not just here to to train a horse it's you know I got to go back to my own reasons as to why and have that a little bit of emotional agility to go right I'm into the working brain myself yeah where I can be calm relaxed work through the problems when I get heightened bring myself down and then remind myself to go and have fun yeah yeah such a huge challenge like your self-worth ties into the problems so quickly. Like, it just is like, oh, my horse is not behaving itself. I'm just a terrible human. I should give up. I'm not good enough. I need to quit. My horse needs a better rider. My horse needs a better person. Maybe I should send it away for training. And it's like, well, you can send it away for training and have somebody else work the problem for you, but they're going to come back and you're going to have the same problems. Yeah. So being able to realize that, you know, that self-worth factor is separate to what you're working through with your horse. Like, you know, one of the things that we do at the school is like, you are good enough, you are good enough, and you can continue to improve. And that's all you need to have is it's not that you, you can see all of the people that are doing all the things that seem to be so much more than what you can do, but... <clears throat> You are good enough just the way that you are. You are perfect and we can continue to improve the skills so that you can get better as a rider. I think that it's, you know, important to recognize where your limitations are without it affecting your self-worth because then you're not going to put unnecessary pressure on yourself and your horse to achieve things, which is what makes the problem like the the biggest resistance that i see in the horses is when the riders have goals that they're not ready for that they're asking the horse to do the horses aren't naive like better than anybody else the horses know um what you're capable of because they're the ones trying to keep you from falling off they're like <laughs> literally underneath you and i see it they're like legs splayed going you don't know how to balance can we just stay in the walk (laughs) or we can get into the trot? And they're like, so both Rabbit and Angel and Phoenix, um, they now have two different trots. They have their babysitter trot, which is completely dysfunctional. You have the complete, like, drop and rotation of the pelvis and (laughs) leaning all over the shoulders because all they're trying to do is, like, flatten their movement out so that they don't bounce you around. And Phoenix even has that going over jump. So he will, like, try and flatten his body and just pick his legs up yeah. and then put his legs down. So, that so his back stays the insane, same height the entire time. So, so that he doesn't unbalance his yeah. rider over the jump. So they've got this, like, babysitter mode and then they've got their, like, next level up functional mode now. But that next level up functional mode um, is a lot bouncier and mm. is a lot more required of the rider with regards to actually executing a half fault correctly so it's quite challenging to do and they they can feel your competence as a rider to stick the next level up 
functional movement. Mm-hmm. But um, then they get really anxious because the rider doesn't know what to do with it. So they're like got forward, but they're not like they're still learning how to shift the balance back and do the the half halt properly. And so it just kind of becomes speed and then they just stop. And they're like, oh, nobody's telling me what to do with this trot. They're like supposed to be like helping recycle the energy and the balance here. (laughs) And then the rider gets frustrated because the horse is like refusing to move. And it's like, they're just refusing to move because you're not giving enough instruction into how you want them to work. And so the most common reason, like once we take pain off the table, once we take cueing off the table, once we take, um, you know, our emotional agility work off, like issues off the table, the most common reason I see for resistance from the horse is the horse doubting your ability to actually stay on them when you're asking them to do what you're asking them to do. And it doesn't even have to be that you're going to fall off. It can be that your seat hits their back hard when you lose your balance or you end up balancing on their mouth or you smack them in the mouth with the bit because you've lost balance and fallen behind the movement. So they're anticipating pain that you've created because you are not balanced enough to do the thing that you've asked your horse to do. And so again, like we can get caught in that self-worth of I'm not good enough, I can't do this, like my horse doesn't like me, it's not enjoying this. Or we can say, I am good enough. We can do this. We have the potential. We have all of the potential in the world and I have to work on this skill a little bit longer. I have to do a lot more two-point seat work to get the stability of my lower leg so that I'm strong enough through my leg and through my core that my horse has more confidence in my ability to stay on when they are bouncy. Yeah. And I think that's, um, you know, especially, you know, you're thinking about my journey of going independent and then I've spent a good amount of time with you, um, being schooled by you, being (laughs) monitored by you. (laughs) And now finally, um, you know, kind of being, um, I guess, guided through your process through the years that we've worked together but doing it solo um you know I've had a lot of that um you're in those early years from you you're good enough you just need the more skills you're good enough you need more skills you're good enough you need more skills and and um I guess in that case that I've been pretty lucky um and that I can also see where you know I'm I'm fairly good at personally at at self-reflection and going okay well that was a bit of challenge what do I need to do next um rather than sitting Mm -hmm. in the doubt for a very long time even Mm. if even if sometimes I do sit there for just a little bit and have a cry (laughs) (laughs) the wallow is strong but you know usually I can come out the other end um relatively quickly and go right well that that wasn't fun that wasn't didn't go to plan what what do I need to execute it a little bit better um and I think that does take you know, a huge amount of emotional agility, um, but uh, I guess a, a network of, of really good support mm. um, on your basis to start with, even if they aren't with you in the paddock right at that moment. Yeah. To know that um, there's a bunch of people that have your back is really um, like a really, go- really good godsend, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The support is required and the sense of security within yourself, you know, it is hard to do the reflection work if you're not, comfortable with looking at yourself we can be very uncomfortable with not looking at the things that we don't like about <laughs> ourselves uh, which makes us kind of balk away and that it just, it's what makes her I'm not good enough easy mm. it's like 
you can say you're not good enough and it ties into your self-worth and then it gives you permission to not look at why you're not good enough. And, you know, why you're not good enough could be that you need to do two months of, two more months of two-point seat work to strengthen your legs up. However, in your mind, like, you go into this super scary place of all of these other things that you haven't looked at within yourself of why you might not be good enough. And it's like your brain is hiding you from, you know, all of these reasons why you already think you're not good enough in other situations and circumstances. Yeah. And so then the, like, issues that you're facing when you're writing just kind of you know, trigger it and bring it to the surface and then you just collapse on the floor a mess and can't find the way <laughs> forward. It's, um, you know, it's why I love working with the horses is that they make you go into that self-reflection process so that you do look at it. Otherwise, you, you just don't progress. You do yeah. stagnate and you have to go, you know, what do I need to do to improve this scenario Right now, like me trying to deal with frustration for the last three years, holy moly, that has been <laughs> a big old emotional agility exercise. I feel like I'm getting there. Yeah. Oh, I, I feel like you are. <laughs> <laughs> I just still don't really know what I'm supposed to do with frustration, but I do know how to shift it. <laughs> I even have been shifting it at the computers. Oh, my goodness. I know, right? I was so chuffed with myself. I was, like, getting super frustrated on the computer the other day. I was like, no, I am aware of this emotional state, and it is not helping me meet my goals. <laughs> it, is, it is so funny. And I think, um, like you say, this is the favourite part about working with horses because they're, they're there um, to show you and, and put you in this place where you, you need to have that level of self-reflection and you need to understand yourself a lot better to be able to work with them better. Um, and the other the other amazing thing about them is that they're such good motivators for that. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you know, if we're not necessarily good at at that level of self-reflection or comfortable with going into that self-reflection, it's very easy to hide away from it Mm -hmm. um, and just not do the things that challenge us. Yeah. Um, You know, like uh, losing weight. (laughs) It's very easy to try that for a period of time, get challenged and, and not sit down and reflect, just consider yourself not good enough and give up. Yeah. Um, You know, and I've been there and done that a number of times. Yeah. (laughs) But the, um, you know, with the horses, it, you know, there is a huge motivator there, you know, and it's um, it's not just a, a motivator of the goals that you have. It's an, an, a motivator that is strongly emotional and tied to mm. who you want to be in the end. Yeah. So, um, you know, so it's much, much easier to be self-reflecting in those scenarios. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, the horses are such a good – there is barely anybody in my life that can tell me that I'm not good enough. Except for horses. <laughs> if the horses tell me I'm not good enough and then listen. <laughs> I'm listening and then what happens is I'm generally getting the same feedback from like important people in my life. So it'll be Mick, it'll be Finn, it'll be you. Sometimes it'll be Monique. I'm like, okay, this is clearly a sticking point for me. Time to do some work, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Hence the uh, working off frustration for three years. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that is, like, such a hard one to work on because my frustration initially, it feels valid, right? It's like, well, you know, just stop being so annoying and I'll stop being frustrated with you. (laughs) You you compare it to, like, um, a lack of confidence or, or feeling... Um, a bit nervous or fearful, you can just go, oh, stop it being stupid. You're not in a life, you know, a life um, 
endangering situation. You're fine. Stop being stupid. Whereas when you're frustrated, it's like you are annoying the shit out of me. (laughs) (laughs) If you stop doing that, I won't be frustrated. Mm -hmm. So it's it's much easier. That's an emotion that's much easier to throw out on somebody else than Mm -hmm. it is to... to, It's all your fault. Yeah. Nothing to do with me. Yeah. I'm not just an irritable temperament. (laughs) (laughs) She is. She so is. (laughs) (laughs) The resting bitch face is strong. (laughs) (laughs) I think think it's... um, you know, we all have our own challenges. Um, you know, I have a tendency to be lazy, so it's easy to be um, slower and, and and not be overly motivated to do things and take things a lot easier. And I'm lucky that, for me, that's the type of, I guess, aspect that works well with Gunner as well, is that we don't need to go for this high-pressure, high-movement and I say that I'm, you know, I say that I'm lazy. I, I do like to take things easier, and I like to go um, a little bit slower in some things, and then in other things, I'm like super motivated and have to push through and get it because I get, um, I guess, a little bit annoyed that things aren't running perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I must fix it. Yeah. Um, but I guess you know, on a on a more personal level, because I do have that, um, you know, I like to, I guess, enjoy and go slow and and do that process and gonna. Um, really flourishes in that type of environment mm. that we've been working, able to work together really easily and not necessarily um, feed too much off on each other's um, you know, emotional baggage. Yeah, so interesting. Love it. Love the work. So much fun. <laughs> what was your goal for this year? It's really funny. If I think about it, I didn't sit down and write mm. down my big goals for this year, but 2021 we ended on a, it was pretty messy. Um how we ended, you know, we overfaced both me and Gunner, I guess yeah, more true. Gunner than, than any, you know, more Gunner, but even me to a point um, where we had Gunner bucking in lessons and then I'm just like, right, well, I'll just go and do them by myself and, and still manage to overface myself a little bit. Um, <laughs> and then I also was like, okay, you have to figure that out for yourself now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet coaching. <laughs> Drop me in the deep end and see the sink swim. And um, I think the nice thing about that is um, it wasn't a sink or swim situation. Mm. It, was, it actually turned into a fly situation, which was nice. Yeah. Um, you, you know, were so, ready. Yeah. Yeah. And and um, I'm glad that you recognised it. Mm. I, you know, I was probably hadn't quite recognised it myself. So I think this year the goal was more about um, developing that level of independence and trust in myself again mm. um, and, and making sure that that um, – you know, despite the fact that I might be working alone and, and you know, um, starting to trust my instincts and those types of things, still having that foundation of, you know, what are the skills that I need to do? What do I need to reflect on? When do I need extra support? Yeah. Um, you know, when does Gunner need extra support? You know, pulling all that through. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, without officially having written anything down, it was just this year was about... Um, developing my independent skill with riding yeah. and horsemanship. You did so well. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it is one of the things that is pretty fun as the coach, right, is, um, you know, I'm giving all of this feedback and this critiquing and whatnot, and some of my students can think that it's coming from me, but, like, I actually don't care. Like, you can be whoever you want. You can do whatever you want. Like, just live your best life. But it it's coming from the horse. The horse is saying, like, I'm not happy with this, I'm not happy with that, yeah. and that's why 
like we're picking up on the subtle behavior cue before it escalates into a problem and I'm communicating that before you can actually see it and so it's not me critiquing you it's like the horse saying this is a problem can you work on this before you want to do something else with me that's going to stretch what you're actually capable of doing and so it's one of those things I have to keep reminding the students is like this is not me telling you that this is a problem. This is the horse telling you that it's a problem. And as soon as you can, you know, identify the horses telling you that there's a problem and you start listening and adapting to suit them, the less you need me. Like, that's my ultimate goal is for you to not need you, me. You work yourself out of a job, really. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's the idea, right, is that I want you to be able to fix your own problems. Like, yeah. that's the personal power. That's where the self-worth is. That's where you can say, yeah, I have an issue and it's not going to make me fall to the ground and crumble up and not be able to function yeah, anymore. Yeah, and give up on horses altogether. Yeah. Yeah. And so being able to identify the problem is like just, you know, the thing in the first place is like, what is the problem? Why is this not coming together? And being able to look at it without it affecting your self-worth and then knowing what options you have to navigate. I'm going to throw a story in here that mm-hmm. I've been thinking about yeah. as a side. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> tangent. <Hello. laughs> I've been thinking about this the last couple of weeks because, you know, everybody's asking, you know, what's the one right best method to use with the horses that's going to see my ultimate success so that I thrive as a horse rider and my horse is thriving. Um, and so I've been thinking about this example of this question in um, my home ec class in grade eight, it's my first ever time cooking, and I was cooking a pizza. And I bought self-raising flour instead of plain flour. Right. <laughs> so I followed all of the instructions to the T, and then I had this magnificent volcano pizza cake. <laughs> <laughs> magnificent is like actually the worst because the base is the worst part of the pizza <laughs> so it was just it was all base it was like cake pizza <laughs> and and so you know we'll just call it a focaccia <laughs> <laughs> yeah it probably we could have called it a focaccia it was the worst uh it probably would have tasted fine but it was more cake than pizza yeah. so you know like if we were going on marking that, then potentially that's a fail because it's not even a pizza anymore. It's yeah. now a cake. Yeah. <laughs> so there is like this method of, um, you know, following, of working with the horses, but it can just be like a, a tweaking of the ingredient and you've got to kind of like keep working with the horse to keep knowing where to tweak it and how to tweak it. And when you look at our holistic horse handling program, Our third pillar is about cueing and communication. And that's like, you know, referencing to the best of my ability of my exposures. And I've been exposed to a lot of different training techniques. Um, You know, all of the different methods, like air quote methods that you could use with a horse is that um, you can do a positive reinforcement. You can do a negative reinforcement. Like how are you going to shape the behavior? How are you going to mark the behavior? How are you going to motivate them to do it again? And so it provides a flexibility in that base there for you to choose how you want to work with your horse and how your horse wants to work with you and then it's your it's your um 
like, I don't know what the word is. I don't know. It's, it's up to you to figure out how to read your horse's response to that. So there are some skills there, right? You have to learn to identify tension releasing, tension holding, um, tension building. How are you going to get that horse into a feeling of safety? How do you get relaxation? How are you going to communicate effectively from the horse? Is the horse seeking direction from you? So that's like our first and second pillar of the relaxation and compassionate leadership. Um, and being able, like they're the skills you've got to be able to see how the horse is responding to the tool that you're using to know how you're going to adapt it to get a positive response from the horse, which is then our fourth pillar, which is your emotional agility work is like being able to recognize in the horse that it's frustrated or anxious or overwhelmed or, um, getting too task orientated and how to like adapt and flex into different, you know, training ideas, like whether you're going to go for an in-hand adventure or whether you're going to kick the ball around or whether we're going to do like conditioning work, how are we going to bring that effort up to do like physical activity, yeah. conditioning work. And so it's like <clears throat> there isn't, <laughs> there just isn't one. Well, see, I think the thing is um, the, the problem is that we for such a long time have been confusing tools mm-hmm. as a methodology mm-hmm. and that's, that's the thing that we need to think about is that, you know, all these things like, you know, um, clicker training and positive reinforcement and pressure release and, and all these, they're, they're tools, they're, they're, they're tools for communication, tools in a way that we can actually speak and speak to our um, horse. And it's really the methodology that works is going to be, you know, can you, can you work with the horse that you have? Do you know the tools that work best for your horse in different situations do you understand what your horse is telling you and does your horse understand what you're telling you? Does your horse willingly want to listen to what you're asking and um, follow lead? Are they able to actually feel confident enough to be able to let down their barriers and relax in front of you? Mm-hmm. Are they happy to be with you? Like, you know, and that's going from like, I guess the, the extreme top all the way down to the very foundation of, of um, you know, what is the methodology mm. that we should be um, working with for our horses. And I think, you know, that's that's the thing. I think if we, we talk about what method works best for a horse, don't, don't think about the tools. Think about what we know about the horse and know about ourselves and how can we work together. That's what the methodology is. Mm, so true. One of the things, um, like starting out like, as a beginner um even as an amateur rider even to the point when I was doing it professionally as well before we'd like really sat down and nutted some of this out the there's like a way it's it's about strategic and intentional thinking so when we start getting up into our complex AQs like our half faults our leg yields and our circles we need to have effectively built a language on top of each other to get to being able to put multiple aids on a horse at once and them actually knowing what the answer is. So the way that I explain this to our students when they're going through this process of learning how to put multiple aids on is that, um, you know, you can think about what I call a single AQ is like one behavior, one, um, yes, that's the behavior that I want and one motivation. So asking a horse to stop off hold to pressure, asking a horse to go off hold to pressure, 
if we think about a dog asking a dog to sit, asking mm. a dog to lie down, it's like one behavior that we want and then we can mark that behavior and we can move it. They're the really simple things. And if you can't achieve that with those single word aids on the ground, you're really going to start getting in trouble when you're trying to put multiple aids on in the, in the saddle, saddle. Yeah. because the horse likely is trying to communicate something to you like they don't. Um, know how to seek the release of pressure they don't know that they're supposed to be seeking the release of pressure they don't have a good relationship to pressure they feel pressure and they get tense they get anxious because they don't know what the answer is or they're displaying pain behaviors and so then if we're like putting more aids on and we're expecting them to understand multiple responses then their their brains literally implode or they just shut down and stop responding it's like i can't figure out all of these movements that you're making i'm just going to stop listening yep. is their best answer they can get yeah, the best answer that you'll get <laughs> yeah. no, but... well, it, could, it could be the you know the extreme other end where it's like i can't cope with this anymore i'm out and you know whatever kind of thing. off your hop yeah yeah yeah, yeah let, let's do a um you know unplanned dismount yeah. <laughs> so then when we're like moving up into our multiple aqs like our half halts and our leg yields it's like we're putting two words together or two letters together and expecting our horse to know that it's a new word. So if we say like doing a half halt, we're asking the horse to shift the balance back and give more power out, like we're creating a new word and the word is balance. Yep. And when you first put like your rein and your leg on together, they don't know that you're trying to tell them to balance. They can just feel you know, your hands in their mouth and your legs on their belly and they're like, well, sweet, what do I do with this? Like, I can either ignore your hand or I can ignore your leg because they both mean different things. And so <clears throat> most, like, trainers and coaches that have been in the industry a while and they have a method, it's their way of getting a uh, complex language into the horse of yeah. how you're going to, like, layer those words on top of each other, which is why we need to be really intentional and strategic at the beginning of, you know, what, how are we going to communicate these words into the horse so that when we want to get to the higher levels, we're not stuck, that our language is mismatched and we haven't thought far enough ahead mm. as to how this is going to create vocabulary with our horse. And I've definitely done that to Fiddy when I've just been experimenting with things like when I was teaching him Spanish walk by asking him to target the whip and then I changed my mind. I was like, no, I actually want you to back off the whip and he was <laughs> super Kicking frustrated at me. Like, what are you doing, woman? <laughs> I'm doing what you told me to do and I'm not getting rewarded or reinforced to this. Like, you are wrong. Yep. <laughs> I've done this a number of times and I've been told I was right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like if we start shifting our expectations of what a behavior sh or you know, even if we don't have the clarity and initially of what behavior we want which is normal as well as like half the time as an amateur and a beginner you don't even know what you're trying to achieve you're just trying to do this thing that the coach told you to do and so <laughs> it takes a it takes practice to have confidence in you know what you're actually trying to get your horse to do and what it should look like and you know, and then you have someone like me who's like, yeah, great, you did it, and now let's make it better. And then you have to try and figure out what better looks like as well. <laughs> yep. And so that's, like, where, you know, the complexity comes from. 
and you can you have to remember that the methodology is not like the behavioral element and the language is so entangled in a lot of people's training styles that there's no differentiation between what is language and what is behavior and we really need to tease those two out to be able to say this is our language skills and how we're going to communicate with the horse and these are our behavioral elements where you know, we need to do some reflection work and maybe our communication is coming off as offensive or rude or uh, antagonistic or, you know, it's trying to spark spookiness from a horse. And, you know, like, say, for example, if we're using flags, like flags is such a perfect visual for you're using a tool to get reactivity from your horse by trying to spook them into responsivity. And so then, you know, you're firing the flight mechanism, which our horses don't need any help with. They're very good at doing it yeah. by themselves. <laughs> yeah, that's not hard to switch into. <laughs> so you're getting them to move by spooking them and then trying to control their fear and then getting them to move by spooking them and then trying to control their fear. That's, you know, there are so much more successful ways of getting responsivity from a horse without trying to spark a fear response uh, to get movement. And that's what you really, like, if you want a horse that you have trust and confidence in and has trust and confidence in you, you really want to be thinking about that when you're experimenting with the tools that you're going to use and how you're going to, um, you know, create language from that. Because even then, you know, if we're going to use the flags to get responsivity, what are you going to do in the saddle to get responsivity? It's not... Like, this is the word, the word is forward. Now I'm going to hop in the saddle. This is a word, the word is forward. You know, there's there's an ability to translate across from the ground into the saddle. That's what we're trying to do with our groundwork, is we're creating this language that is so easy to shift into the saddle that the horse has trust and confidence because they've done it on the ground. That's why, you know, I can break the horses in and I don't need to buck them out because like we've got this language established we've got relaxation established we've got you know this this foundation of how we're going to work together established oh hey now I'm just on your back and now (laughs) there's a whole new challenge presented to you where you have to try and balance me which like that should be the challenge not them having to relearn their language, not them having to, um, you know... We're just introducing one new challenge instead of five new challenges at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. We want to treat it like a science experiment. There should only be one variable change. Like, you know, I would... you, You could say per lesson, but I would even say, like, per multiple lessons. Like, make sure the horse can consolidate what you're working on because... While it might feel slow and feel like it takes a long time at the beginning, there's not really that much that the horse needs to learn to get to those higher levels. Like Mm. once we get that whole language sorted and the balance and posture sorted, then it's quite easy to kind of scale as long as you have the time to commit to the conditioning. And if you don't, it's quite easy to kind of sustain your basic Mm. intro level prelim work. And so, you know, if that's, that's the thing that's going to make the training difficult long-term is if we confuse the cueing and the language with the behavior and we don't tease the two apart, then we're constantly working 
on our horse's behavioral response, which is sometimes perfectly, a lot of the time, perfectly legitimate to the way that you asked. (laughs) That's why I've spent three years working on my frustration is that, you know, Fiddy being frustrated at me being frustrated is perfectly legitimate. And so unless I can come into that training environment and from that place of open heart without frustration, our training sessions are never going to go well because I couldn't see that his frustration was actually he didn't know what the answer was. And he needs like shorter periods of time with big spaces in between to process what he's learning. And so I get frustrated and so I put more pressure on and I rush him through the process and he doesn't learn it properly. He doesn't consolidate it. And then he gets anxious because he's unsure of what the answer is and like my pressure threshold is too high for where he actually functions and that's where we've got a whole like, you know, two different personality types just clashing in general because he's like, you know, more chill, more low energy, not performance-based kind of horse and I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, like got things to do, places to be, let's make it happen. (laughs) And that's where, you know, we just need to kind of take ourselves apart and come back down to our relaxation work and our emotional agility work so that we can upregulate our nervous systems together into that task achievement instead of like trying to antagonize behaviors from our horse to get responsivity. You gotta like try and find how you're gonna work into that behavior together as a team. Yeah. I think that's where the, 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 the real willingness comes out from as well is obviously, you know, willingness there's a level level of um, clear communication and, and cueing that needs to be involved in that because you can't get a willing horse if you can constantly confusing them because they just don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. But if we're down there in that that level of that relaxation where they know that they're safe and we can bring them up into that um, working environment and take them back into that safe mm. space again, you know, they're much more willing to work with us um, even when we have challenging moments. You know, and I think, as I say, I think back to that time when I've overfaced Gunner um, and even, you know, did a bit of did a bit of work, jumped in the saddle and he was still just saying, look, I'm not that confident in you at this stage. You know, that, right, well, we'll just... The, the, the entire goal of that ride, which lasted all of five minutes, was, right, well, we're just going to relax. We're just going to stand here in the arena with me on your back. We're just going to both relax. And once we relax, that's it. That's done. We're done. Um, the, mm. That's the communication that I'm asking you for. I'm asking you to relax and trust that I'm going to look after you. Um, and once you've relaxed, then I've um, let go of the work. And and um, I think this is the nice, fun thing. Uh, this is a, one of the favourite things I like about the Holistic Horse Handling Program is because everything that we do like we build on these processes but we also build on the the like the cue tools um so the cue tools are so basic that when we put in a new challenge we should and we're introducing one new variable factor if it's not working it's so much easier to come back down and reflect on what's not working so you know if we look at that particular scenario I'm talking about we've over I've overfaced Gunner a little bit he's lost a bit of confidence in me and in my ability to keep him safe so he's um, doubting my ability as a compassionate leader um you know and I could sit down and kick myself for ages for Mm. not noticing that but instead it's like right well okay I bug it up my bad um let's just let's let's go back down and figure out how we can work together and and build that um confidence back in again 
Um, and that's, you know, that's what we've been doing is, you know, been working, you know, we, we did that one session where it was just a little bit of relaxation in the saddle. Um, you know, there were two weeks before that where I was just doing in-hand adventures and getting him to trust me and follow me um, and then relax and trust flow, relax. So we knew that we had those foundations back on the ground. And when I introduced it again in the saddle and I could still feel he was just that little bit insecure, like I'm not sure you give me the right guidance here still okay, let's just relax, go back down and okay, we'll go back and do some fun stuff and, you know, show that you can um, trust me because I'm not going to try to put you in, in physical danger. I'm going to try and look after you and make sure that you're safe. Um, so that's, yeah, that's definitely the favourite thing I like. Um, and I think, you know, being independent and sitting there and, and or developing this level of independence and, and doing things by myself and troubleshooting by myself and, and that kind of thing. And then, having it because I'm I guess developing that level of trust in my ability to read him um you know in different scenarios I'm developing my trust in myself in um the skills that I've got so that I can take him through it and build it back up again and, and that kind of thing it has um helped a lot just even with um you know if you you know the other day when I was looking at working at a barn and um had Gunner in the saddle and I was probably in the saddle with him for maybe 20 minutes and we just um, worked on um, that head tossing a little bit, get the get the bed um, back to relax, a little bit of a shoulder lift, and that was literally it. Um, where you know there was somebody else in the arena that was working their horse, you know, and they were doing some really great, like really good workout, you know, um, things that I know that I could be doing with Gunner um, if I wanted to push, yeah, really really push us through it, yeah. Um, but you know, old me probably would have been. I'm a bit disappointed that I'm not doing that. Yeah, um, Yumi was just like, oh, you, would you believe I got him to shuffle his shoulders around? <laughs> yeah. it was great. Great success. <laughs> Boom. That, that's all I wanted today. Yeah. Yeah, and have the confidence to not only do that but also be um, proud of the work that we're putting together. Yeah, so good. So when he felt like he had lost confidence in you, what did it feel like? Oh, for him, it was definitely a disconnect. Yeah. Like, he just, um, so I guess, you know, when, when Gunner feels insecure, his 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 standard response is just to use his body as a, a barrier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> his body is a barrier. And so, you know, he, he stopped, and it's really weird, it's kind of hard to explain the particular feeling, but you could feel that he stopped responding to the lightest communication that I was doing in halt pressure or bit mm. pressure or that kind of thing. So you knew that there was this level of tension where he just didn't trust what you were asking mm-hmm. or I knew I felt. Yeah. Um, and you know, like literally that day that we overfaced him and I told you that yeah. we're done. Yeah. Um, he's done. Can't do anymore. He's, he's been overfaced and, and part of that is because he just, he walked away and he refused to look at me um, and he kind of half dragged me. And while, <laughs> while he was kind of respectful and finally ended up like stopping at the end of the far end of the lead rope, um, you know, he was definitely disconnected initially. And when I walked him, um, you know, tried to sell him, you know, do some relaxation with him, he just wasn't connecting. When I walked him back to the paddock, he just was so bolstery and ignorant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's going back to those behaviours that people would say were naughty. Yeah. Um, but in reality, what he's just telling me is that he, he didn't feel safe. Mm-hmm. He, didn't, he didn't trust me quite right. Yeah. Um, and so I guess, you know, and, and that's what I was looking for was that, that feel of communication 
that mm. um, we had been developing for such a long time. Are you responding to me? Are you listening to me? No. Okay, let's go back to something that's really, really basic. Um, you know, let's go to um, – I think I spent a lot of time doing um, invite to eat and then up off grass. Yeah. Um, you know, in and in that um, uh, in hand adventures, we were doing a lot of that as well, mm-hmm. just to um, you know relax, breathe together. You re- you're relaxing now. You can have some food. Okay, now walk walk with me for a bit. Mm-hmm. Relax, have some food. Um, so. Which, if anybody knows what it's like to try and get a draft horse to not eat grass, will not understand why that is your challenge. <laughs> because for a big draft horse that knows its size to take direction from you to go off grass yeah. it wants to eat, yeah. you know, you've got a core. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you could tell, like, you know, you, you could tell there was still some reluctance in it mm. Um, mm. at certain points. And, and so you know, i just work on that a little bit. And once I got something that was less reluctance and a little more more willing to to listen then i'm like right well okay we're good we we've got um you know that's actually a win we'll we'll end it on that or we'll change up the exercise a little bit and and um you know go go into the arena and play with some balls and yeah which is why it's so important to do this connection work on the ground because those cues are so subtle as like when i you know, when my students are doing this well, they're picking up on cues that I'm not seeing because I don't have that level of connection and rapport with the horse that you have. And so you learn to see, like, it can just be a wrinkle in the nose or, you know, a twitch of the ear or a flick of the tail. And you are aware that that is vocabulary from your horse to say something to you when you spend this much time where we go wrong is um you know if we have our coaches or trainers or instructors just uh blowing through that and saying no just push them through and ignore it and and then that's where those like conversations from the horse are escalating and then now we've asked them to do something that we knew they didn't want to do and then like literally if we don't follow through on it you know, we are teaching a horse that it can say no in a very escalated way. And so it's a lot better to have this two-way conversation of team with these really subtle behavioral cues that you don't see in the saddle. And that is, it's so important that you need to be able to see these on the ground. And even when we go through our video for our programs, it's like, what? there's something I missed. There's something I missed. My head was not (laughs) looking at that part. Oh, I was really disconnected there because I was talking to Sarah. I wasn't concentrating on the horse. Yeah, horse was not impressed with that. (laughs) (laughs) And so we miss these cues at the best of the time on the ground. But if the horses know that we're listening and we're trying... They're generally like fairly cooperative in that they'll they'll kind of escalate what they're saying a little bit without in- intentionally trying to hurt us. Yeah, Gunner's so funny. Um, I don't know if we shared this story about um, how he tried. So Gunner doesn't like horses he doesn't know, and then even with horses he does know, uh, they have to listen to him. And he will chase them away if they don't listen to him. He's he's quite assertive with his size and his body. And there was one day when um, a new pony was in the paddock with him and he nearly went over the top of me to chase him away. 
and um, he chased the horse away, came back around, and he gave me a little book, and he was like, sorry, that wasn't directed at you. You were never, like, in trouble there. I just needed to move that horse away. And then he went back to what he was doing. I was like, oh, my God, I'm so grateful that you like me, Gunnar, because if you don't, I might be broken right now. The same thing happened over camp where we were hanging out in the back paddock, and um, Phoenix was apparently too close to Gunnar. And so he nearly went over the top of us trying to chase Phoenix away. And um, one of the mums was with me. I was like, watch this. He'll come back around and he'll say sorry to you. And he did. He, like, <laughs> he doesn't even really know her. She's never worked with him before. And he's come back around and he's given her, like, the most gentle little boob. And he was like, that wasn't at you. You are safe. <laughs> I'm like, oh, mate, this, this boy, he's all sorts of... <laughs> He's, he's learning compassionate leadership, you see. You know, he knows how to reinforce boundaries, but then reconnect. <laughs> yeah, good job, Sarah. Well done, training. <laughs> it, is, it has been interesting seeing his um, social skills change, you know, mm-hmm. from the horse that he was um, 12 months ago to the horse that he is now. And I know that we were quite worried that we wouldn't mm-hmm. be able to integrate him into a herd for a period of time and to see that, you know, there's still stuff there. Needs to. There are a couple of horses missing some hair. Yeah, <laughs> that he lives with. Um, look, he's just missing. He's missing as much hair lately too. You know. <laughs> so I think, um, yeah, it, it's been an interesting journey for the pair of us, really. Yeah. This year. Yeah, it's been good. Goals for next year. Uh, <laughs> to to be fair, I think um, it, it's really just going to be continuing mm-hmm. um, what we're doing. You know, if I wanted to, to go, like, you know, really big goals and what I'd really like to see, you know, it'd be really nice to see him developing some throughness and get some mm-hmm. um, good pace trot work and even even potentially get some canner, um, like a balanced canner starting to work on him, which I think we're not going to be too far off. Yeah. But those are, you know, those are, those are goals that are nice to have but not necessarily one that I'm going to be um, pushing towards if not, it's it's really just going to be continuing that building, that trust, that connection, that relationship, and and continuing to enjoy each other. Yeah, love that, it. That's twenty twenty three. Yeah, so good. Take the pressure off. Well, I mean, we haven't probably had too much training pressure on ourselves, but it's nice to have the training pressure off <laughs> and just focus on relaxation and connection, and you know, see what the horses give us and continue yeah. to learn how to work with the horses for relaxation and connection and Mm. and i'm excited to to keep working on this um the new exercises that you've been doing that are going to help us really um i guess help them from a physical perspective as well yeah me too i've been seeing some really fun things with that so really interested to see how it evolves i'm excited to see it come into the holistic riding program (laughs) yeah (laughs) we're gonna have to book some videoing time yes definitely (laughs) Oh, thanks for joining us today, Sarah. Thank um, you for having me and sharing, well, letting me ramble on about <laughs> ponies. Our big favourite goofball. Yeah. <laughs> Until next time, happy trails. If you're loving what you're listening to on the podcast, you might be starting to recognise that trying to control your horse through submission-based training is the worst way to ask your horse to look after you. If you're working with or riding horses, you know how unpredictable and sometimes scary they can be. Unfortunately, most struggling horse riders make the mistake of thinking 
They can physically control their 400 plus kilo fur babies by moving their feet or spooking them into responding with flags and join up. Without giving your horse a reason to care about you and look after you, you will most likely end up with a horse that is disconnected at best, shut down or explosive at worst because they can't communicate their needs with you. Especially if you are already scared, worried or nervous handling your horse. That's why we've created our new free online training experience, Building a Connection with Your Horse. This is how I've gone about creating safe horses for beginners, no matter the breed or previous handling experiences. If you want to learn the secret source behind developing safe horses that care about you and look after you without trauma triggering training methods, register for our new training today at www.equestriummovement.com forward slash connection and I will uncover the three big mistakes you might be making if you're trying to build a relationship with your horse and how you can start building your horse's trust and confidence in you as a leader worth following.